Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 240 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. My final podcast of 2022. Another year slips by and we've had such fun this year. Here's my look back at the last 12 months and a thought or two on what our new beekeeping season is likely to bring. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Happy New Year, everyone. It's the 1st of January, and I'm feeling very excited. So much to be thankful for over the past 12 months, and so much beekeeping to look forward to in this new year of 2023. I figured now seemed like a great time to pause and look back at what we got up to in 2022, the highs and the lows. Although, to be honest, and with the benefit of an optimistic outlook, I don't recall too many lows for last year. As the year ends, I'm really proud that I've shared another 100 videos, 50 podcasts and a range of photographs and other content with you all. The vast majority of my content obviously goes exclusively to Patreon for at least 12 months. So if you're picking up this podcast for the very first time towards the end of January, then why not consider signing up to my exclusive content and support via my Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. I'll pop a link in the notes so you can click straight through. It would be great to share my new season with you. So here's my review of the season just gone, warts and all. Let's start with spring. New colonies, new kit and new plans. I really wanted to focus on honey production for 2022 and with that in mind I had decided to buy in 50 colonies from another bee farmer who was downsizing. These were all in a brand of Langstroth hive called Technosec. These are poly hives with a plastic shell to protect them. A nice design with lots of helpful features. Steph and I went over to inspect and select the bees prior to purchase and we must have looked through 70 or 80 colonies throughout the day selecting those that I wanted. We eventually brought them back to Norfolk and settled them in with a view to splitting them for the summer nectar flow. It's a simple technique and one I'm beginning to favour as part of our annual routine. At the same time as buying these new colonies, I also purchased an articulated lorry load of spare equipment to use in our expansion plans. That didn't quite go as planned, as I had yet to kickstart my transition to Langstroth-sized colonies. Here we encountered a valuable lesson for anyone starting out in beekeeping or looking to expand into greater numbers and potentially start a commercial bee farming business. Stick to one type of hive it makes so much difference. Make a decision about which hive you prefer and stick with it. 
For reasons of sharing on video and my podcasts, I've always had a range of different hive types. You can't really give a valid opinion if you haven't tried them out. So I ended up with most of the popular hive types out there, and that brings its own set of challenges. Because of this, I had way too many colonies in national, 14 by 12 and commercial hives, and this was to slow down the process of converting over to just Langstroth's. That said, the newly purchased Langstroth colonies all split using a variety of methods, artificial swarms, walkaway splits, split board techniques, to name just a few. The very best method we settled on was a kind of walkaway split using a double brood box setup. This turned out to be very reliable and simple to use just by adding a queen to the queenless brood box, ensuring that we doubled up on this stock very quickly. Our early season plan was coming together nicely. We had increased from 70 to 120 colonies by buying in this stock, and that stock was mostly split in late spring to move our numbers very quickly to 150 colonies, and with it a pretty steep management learning curve. While all of this was happening, our production colonies, these are the ones we didn't split, and were targeting a spring honey crop from, mainly from the oilseed rape at the farm, but these colonies had a different target plant species in mind, and for the first time in quite a number of years, we enjoyed a fantastic crop of hawthorn honey. Now, I'm not really very good at describing the taste of different honeys, but it was a darker honey than the oilseed rape, and stayed liquid for most of the year, unlike oilseed rape that granulates so fast it's almost spiteful. How can I be certain the bees are on the hawthorn, I hear you ask? Well, I'm a big fan of pollen identification using a microscope, and I was able to identify hawthorn pollen as the main pollen source within our honey samples. If this is something that maybe interests you, but you're not sure where to start, Keep an eye out on my website and on the Patreon pages as I may well be hosting some Microscopy for Beekeepers sessions in 2023. Moving on, I've documented my Ford Ranger challenges over the years, but generally it's been a fantastic workhorse and has helped us get into some tricky apiary locations and perhaps more importantly, helped us get out of them again. Not such a problem last year as the sun baked the ground solid and we didn't really see any significant rainfall all summer long. We did encounter a couple of Ford Ranger issues in 2022, the biggest challenge being the overheating, eventually diagnosed as a faulty radiator. It's beginning to feel like the Ranger has more new parts than old now, yet with the chassis being still in very good shape, I'm keeping my fingers crossed we'll have a trouble-free 2023 as we travel around to our apiaries and tow some fairly hefty loads on our trailers. We were lucky enough to agree a new borage pollination contract for the summer. A first-time borage farmer who was grateful to have our bees on his crop as the spring flowering plants dropped away, the early summer nectar plants seemed to fill that June gap period nicely. So at that time, we had no mad dash around to feed colonies. Let's move on to the summer period, moving bees to the borage and that heat wave. 
We seem to be getting the hang of prepping and moving bees these days. Gone are the days of moving four or five colonies in the back of the Skoda Octavia estate. We're now shifting 40 or 50 colonies at a time. Again, the issue of different hive types slowed us a little, each needing a very slightly different approach, which adds a few seconds to each hive, but that all adds up to a significant time delay, which can be frustrating, especially late at night when all you really want to do is get on the road and move the bees safely. When we took the first batch of bees down to the borage meadow, we were delayed, and delayed getting them on and off the trailer. Then we had a major road diversion, eventually getting the bees unloaded and settled down in the apiary, just as the sun was coming up. Things went a lot smoother after that, and as I always say, these experiences help develop better processes for the future, and it's part of the reason we've made the switch to Langstroth only. We discovered that the majority of our Technoset splits, taken to the first-time Borage Farmers site, were really slow to build up. I think this was down to a couple of reasons, one being the incredibly dry spell we were going through at that time, and also, and an admission of beekeeper failure here, they were trying to combat some fairly heavy varroa populations, and I hadn't spotted this issue until it was almost too late. In fact, for some of the splits, it was too late, and they never really managed to recover. It appeared the colonies we purchased had either not been treated for varroa over the previous autumn and winter, or the treatments had somehow been ineffective. Either way, they really struggled all summer long. My fault for not really spotting it soon enough, but I had mistakenly put it down to the lack of forage and had fed them instead of treating them. We had no such problems with our own colonies through the summer. They grew strongly. Mostly had new queens in them and were very productive. You could be forgiven for thinking that with such a hot, dry summer, we were heading for a total fail crop. Yet the bees found nectar in a wide variety of plants, producing a bumper crop, that is apart from the colonies, on the new borage farmer's fields. Unfortunately, he had planted 100 acres of borage on the lightest soil on the farm and in the only place he couldn't irrigate. It was a mess. Plants that should have been two or three feet tall were barely eight inches tall, withered and dry, unable to develop and produce anything more than the smallest amount of flowers. Here I tried to pull some positive out of what was fast becoming a total disaster. We were lucky to have our virtual eggs in a variety of baskets. Unfortunately, this failing borage crop was one of the larger baskets, as it were. Yet our other colonies were really making the most of a glorious summer, despite the lack of any meaningful rain. It meant that while we failed to produce a crop from the failed borage, we were able to secure our largest ever summer crop as a business and still walk away with an increase in colony numbers. That was until we got to the autumn. Time for splits and new queens. Our plan was to further develop colony numbers as soon as the borage had finished. We weren't taking the bees to any other late season crops such as heather, so the plan was to introduce new queens into autumn splits and overwinter them for production colonies the following year, this year. 
What I hadn't reckoned with was the vast number of wasps and hornets we would encounter at the fishing lakes apiaries and the massive amount of damage they would inflict on these newly created nukes. It turned out to be my disaster of the season. I always reckon something will throw a curved ball at me, and I had thought it was the failed borage crop, but actually we had put smaller, weaker colonies on that crop, so in effect our strongest colonies were on the successful borage. This autumn wasp attack was totally unexpected though. Within a fortnight we had lost something around 30 nukes to wasps. It was carnage and not something that was easy to predict or stop. All of the nukes had newly installed queens. They were all of a reasonable size, not one or two frame nukes here, but four or five frames with seemingly plenty of bees. Entrances were reduced where possible. This is something of an issue with the new Technoset hives. The half-width entrances can't easily be reduced any further, so they seem to be more vulnerable to the wasps than the nukes where we could narrow the entrances down to a single bee space. Even so, it was very alarming to see so many nukes wiped out in such a short space of time. Wasps were brazenly mobbing nukes and piling in at the entrances, stripping them out completely, while the hornets had discovered easy pickings by hawking at the front of the nukes and grabbing bees as they returned from foraging. There wasn't much we could do except hope for some really cold weather to kill off the wasps and hornets, but of course the mild weather continued well into the late autumn, allowing the continued predation of our dwindling nuke populations. This led us into the onset of winter and the drama of the changing weather. Eventually the weather did change and boy what a start to the winter we've had. It's not often we get such cold weather at the beginning of our winter months. Mostly, I seem to remember a more general easing of the temperature down to single figures rather than the massive plunge we had. Of course, it was a really positive thing for us in terms of getting rid of the wasps and hornets, but it also meant that some of our depleted nukes were now vulnerable to hypothermic shock and without the number of bees to maintain a bare minimum temperature within the cluster, they would perish, and unfortunately that's what we've found. Several of the nukes that managed to survive the wasps and hornets have fallen victim to the sudden shift in weather and fall in temperatures and have been unable to stay warm enough to survive. Recently, I found a number of smaller nukes dead, with piles of bees in the bottom of the box. It's disappointing, but not really a surprise. We don't normally get such cold weather until January and February. Yet it makes no real difference as these nukes would have eventually succumbed to the cold weather whatever the month. We still have a long way to go until they're out of danger, and with more cold weather on its way, I don't think I've seen the last of the failed colonies. One of the other challenges we've had at a couple of apiaries so far this winter is the green woodpecker. We've had a number of poly boxes that have been attacked and my final video of 2022 showed the damage and the swap out that I performed. Not something I would normally do, but it gave me the opportunity to show you guys the strength of the colony and the fact that there was no brood present at that time. A good time to treat with oxalic acid if you haven't already done so. The good news this winter is that looking around the apiaries, 
we still have some very strong colonies tucked away and doing very nicely. They all seem nice and weighty with stores, so I'm feeling very positive that we'll be able to get cracking again in the new season and rebuild the losses that we've suffered at this end of 2022. The new season will be upon us before you know it, and I'm really looking forward to showing you more of our beekeeping antics and sharing the highs and lows of our small commercial beekeeping operation. Next week, I'll share my plans for the coming season in more detail, but for now, let's just say we're planning on getting bigger, moving to a more permanent location, and what I'd really love to do is host some practical training weekends for you all. These will cover a range of topics and be available to everyone, but of course sign-ups will start with my Patreon Coaching Plus group, so if you're keen to learn some new techniques or brush up on some old methods that you've not used for a while, then do look out for the information as it comes out. We'll be building hive parts, discussing beekeeping theory, and have some practical beginner sessions at the apiary. I'll be queen-rearing and showing how to carry out a thorough disease inspection, along with a host of other practical and hopefully helpful tips and techniques for you. It just leaves me to wish you all a very happy and healthy new year, and I'll catch up with you all again next time. Don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk, and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet.